This is Real Talk, the Customer Insights Show with Jen Vogel. Jen and her guests share valuable information to help you understand your customers better. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, you can also ask Alexa or Siri to play Real Talk. This episode is presented to you by Vox Popme, the leader in video surveys. Here's today's episode. Hello, insights professionals, marketers, and everyone who wants to understand their customers better. Thank you for joining me for a very special episode of Real Talk, the Customer Insights Show. This episode was recorded live at the Virtual Insights Summit hosted by Vox Popme and Zappi. We hosted some fantastic chats, and I wanted to share them with you here as well. Enjoy this conversation. Thank you, Mimi, for joining us today. I know everyone in the audience is really excited to hear from you. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I want to jump in really quickly because we are a little short on time. But before we get into the good stuff, I wanted to share the way. So the way Mimi and I first met is through an organization called Chief. And believe it or not, Chief has been sort of sprinkled in throughout the event over the last two days. And for those of you not familiar, uh, Chief is a private network focused on connecting and supporting women leaders. Um, I've been a member since December of 2019, and it's how I met Mimi. It's how I was in- introduced to David Kidder, who you heard in the opening session of day one, and also my first exposure to Jennifer Brown, who a lot of you uh, were on the Inclusive Leadership Workshop earlier um, in the day. So. Um, I just wanted to mention that it's a really incredible organization for those of you um, interested, you should totally look into it. And I I wanted to hear from you, Mimi, like what's your experience been being a chief member? No, thanks, Jen. No, it's been great. Um, I was really grateful to be approached by the chief organization last year to be a founding member of the LA chapter. And I think for me, you know, it was really important to find this network of really driven female leaders to lean on, to talk through about life and work and really, um, really provide that advice to me. I think we were, we were chatting in the green room about just how valuable it's been. Um, and really, I think it's not talked about often enough, but like leadership can be lonely and it's vital that you have this personal board of directors, you know, to help guide you along the way. And I like that that platform has been available, you know, to me via chief. And I, I'd love to hear, you know, what your experience has been, Jen. Yeah, I completely agree. I think, um, you know, I was saying to you, I fully went into the experience expecting it to be professional development and networking and, you know, all about business and the personal development that I've experienced as a result and the, the relationships have been incredible. And really the only reason I survived the last year, if I'm honest. So it's been it's been fantastic. And plus the opportunity to meet other, you know, incredible women leaders like yourself and the others in my core group. And um, so it's been an amazing experience. All right, let's dive into the topic for today. Um, so I, I'd love to just hear a little bit about your background and, you know, what landed you at Ring and a little bit about your role as CRO. Yeah, no, I, I'd love to. And I, um, my, the story of joining, how I joined Ring is actually, uh, I think for me, like a proud one. And it's really rooted in just like my working style, which is all about like going after what you want. But I've been really honored to work for some incredible brands. Uh, before coming to Ring, I worked in a number of different marketing positions at Dyson and Sonos. Um, when I was working at Sonos, the, uh, we were developing this 
concept with Target called Open House, which was their version of a smart home concept. And at the front of this house was a ring video doorbell. This was in 2015. Um, and I was immediately drawn to this company, like the product, the mission. And I was just so excited about what they were doing. So I cold emailed them, um, told them like, here's my story. Love to work with you guys, not expecting to hear anything. Uh, and then a few weeks later, I actually met Jamie Simonoff, who is the founder and he hired me on the spot. Um, and that was over five years ago. And we're still working relentlessly today towards our mission of making neighborhoods safer. It's been just an incredible opportunity um, specific to like the work that I'm doing. Like I, I personally never imagined that I would be chief of anything I've, but I, but I've always had this like unstoppable drive to like learn and grow. And I've always been really curious about things. And I really believe that our paths aren't linear. And so it just goes to show like it, you can really accomplish anything if you give yourself the freedom and the latitude uh, to do it. And then specific to my team and, and my role as chief revenue officer at Ring, I lead the go-to-market organization, which oversees our global sales, e-commerce channel, product marketing, and supply and demand teams. And ultimately leading and helping these teams, I work every day with them to drive recognition, sales, and revenue for Ring. That is really exciting. I love that you cold emailed to get a job that is and it worked. I mean, it just goes to show like, you know, the, you don't know what's going to happen if you don't try. You have to go after it. Exactly. Um, so it's really interesting to me, you kind of owning go to market and also the, the kind of trajectory of coming up through a, um, a marketing track, really, because a lot of, you know, uh, CROs and people who own revenue come through a sales track. That's probably a more common um, theme, but obviously sales and marketing are so closely aligned. So, you know, really interesting to me to hear about your career coming through marketing and owning a revenue, um, the revenue organization at a, at a, at a company like this. It's really like the convergence of sales, marketing and the customer. Yeah. I think there's just so much around the focus on, you know, the customer and finding like the right solutions and connecting with them that I think has been a big part of like the success we've had at Ring and also for, for myself, like throughout my career, I think it's always been, I really have understood or tried to understand just the levers and think about things from the lens of like the customer, whether it's through the end user or through like a retail partner, just like what is going to be a motivator for them, like what's going to drive them. And so it's always been this, this laser focus on that, that I think is really enabled, enabled me, you know, throughout my career. So Ring has a lot of different ways that you're getting products into customers' hands and you say end customers, right? And supposed to retail partners. Can you talk a little bit about that multi-channel revenue stream and you know how all the different channels that are involved? Yeah, no, I'd love to get into that. Um, in the early days, uh, we were really focused on this broader distribution strategy and took every opportunity to show up in, you know, what I'd say are like relevant channels. Um, and this shaped our omni-channel approach across like the verticals. And today, you know, we're easily in 10,000 plus like retail doors across such partners, such as like a Best Buy, Home Depot, Target, Costco, and, and many others. Um, we also have our own um, direct channel via ring.com. We're also selling on amazon.com. And then additionally for like the segment, like that we like to call like do it for me, we sell through a 
Pro slash installed solutions channel who sell via like through home builders or installers that are doing like whole home systems. And we've done a ton of work in broadcast channels such as like HSN and QVC. We feel like that medium has been so great to demonstrate our products and really, um, really resonate, you know, with, with the, you know, the viewers, you know, on that level. Um, and I, I, I mentioned this because like we did this to give our customers, which we also call our customers neighbors, um, choice and selection where they buy. I love that. I love that you call your customers neighbors. That has been a topic that has come up in the summit so far of getting rid of the word customer, getting rid of the word consumer and stop thinking about people as numbers, but as people. And it sounds like you guys really embody that by calling them neighbors. I've I've heard Ace Hardware does the same thing. They refer to their customers as neighbors. And I think that's great. It makes, yeah, it makes total sense. I mean, it's really tied back to our, you know, our mission of, you know, safer neighborhoods and like driving like that community. And, and so it, it's always been something, you know, from day one, that's been really key for us. Yeah. And so with all those channels that you're selling through, you know, it does give the, the your neighbors that optionality to buy however they want to, but that makes it very complex for you as a business and managing all those different channels and all those different stakeholders. Um, so I, I, I want to get into that and like how, how you manage all of those different all those different channels, really. Oh, it's fun. It leads <laughs> for some fun conversations. I think like um, it's, it is, it can be, you know, by having this broader distribution model, things can get, you know, pretty complex because you've got to straddle this fine line of like holistically managing like the business overall, but also ensuring that each partner, each retailer, you know, can have their unique levers and play, you know, to drive their business, to reach their target audience. And, and, and so there's a lot of work that we have to do to ensure like we, we can do that, you know, and, and a lot of times we like evaluate things like special configurations and colorways and like, what are those unique things that we can enable them? But that, that goes back to like my comment about thinking about like the partners and from their lens and like what they're motivated by and, and really continue to find ways to partner with them. But um, it's, it's been really, you know, I think it's been really interesting, especially what's happened, you know, the last year with like shopping and how, um, how, how people are shopping differently, um, that, you know, we've been a big part of just helping them shape that and participate in it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really interesting. I want to go deeper on that. Um, you know, because obviously like you're thinking about your end customers as one set of people that you need to understand their needs and your partners, your, your channels, um, as another set of customers, like how has uh, customer intimacy evolved with those channel partners in the last year as the retail landscape has changed so much? Um, no, that's a great question. I think, you know, the way we've shopped is, you know, completely changed, especially in the last year. I think we are always looking to like evolve our approach. And I, I really have loved being part of this evolution in the way that retailers are working to get uh, products differently, you know, to customers and responding to their needs. I think examples like such as like curbside pickup or buy online and pick up in store are like new ways of transacting that like are really picking up steam right and so we've had to really think about how do we you know how do we play in that and then there's also different delivery platforms such as like instacart that we've done some experiments with that it's been really exciting to 
to, to test out as well. That's super interesting. So, um, I don't think I would have ever thought to try to buy a ring camera off of Instacart. They, um, they've been, uh, obviously I can't speak too much about their business, but I, uh, they've been really, I'm a user, uh, especially during COVID times. I mean, they've been an incredible, uh, you know, platform for me to use for, for delivery. And, um, they have started, they did something with uh, Best Buy, you know, in Q4 around, you know, shopping and like picking up and delivering. And so like they've, I think, expanded their reach in terms of partners they're working with. So we saw an opportunity to work with them, you know, through, through Best Buy in Q4. I love that. That is so like meeting customer needs, like <laughs> the total embodiment of meeting customer needs. Like, you know, I, I, I think of Instacart as a grocery delivery service and I, I get all of my groceries delivered even now. I don't, I don't go to the grocery store anymore. That's a new behavior for me as a result of global pandemic, but it is like all types of products are now available for um, people to get delivered. Or I have done the, you know, target curbside pickup thing for, uh, for Christmas shopping and stuff like that. It, it's such a different retail landscape in a very short time. Yeah, they've really pivoted. Yeah, totally. Um, and so I guess in thinking about your end customers or your neighbors, um, your brand can be especially intimate with these people, given that they're in and around people's homes. Um, so what role does customer intimacy play in you know, your planning, your execution, your product development, um, marketing, everything? I mean, it touches, uh, you know, like so many things that at both Ring and Amazon, you know, we consider ourselves customer obsessed and everything we do, you know, we do with like our customers, our neighbors in mind um, and really having a deep understanding about, um, you know, what their needs are, how they're using our how they're using the ring products. And it's really vital for all parts of the business, not just like within sales and marketing, but like across, you know, the organization, that's really important to like have those customer insights. And, you know, ultimately, you know, we want to provide our neighbors a really seamless experience from, you know, the, from an end-to-end perspective, from like the, you know, shopper journey from the beginning through installation and really like aftercare, you know, like if they're, if they have issues, like we take care of them um, with setup and, and whatnot. And so it really motivates us to continue to improve and innovate on their behalf. I think um, there've been so many stories from our neighbors that, sh- you know, like that they share with us about how they're using their ring products, you know, whether it's, you know, capturing special family moments like a baby's first steps or locating the pet that ran away um, and even keeping an eye on aging loved ones. I think it's been, uh, they trust us, you know, with these, with these moments and that's, that's a real honor. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, and how, how do, how do neighbors, it's very difficult for me to say that. I don't know why um, we're so used to talking about customers and consumers. How do your neighbors provide you with that feedback? What are some of the different ways that you capture that feedback from them? Um, for, you know, for me and for my team, like we are reading, you know, reviews every day, you know, the good ones, the bad ones to get a real pulse of like what people are saying, how they're experiencing things. We also keep a pretty good pulse on what's coming in through social and CS channels to ensure that we identify if there are any insights or opportunities for us to 
better unpack a feature or clarify something. Um, and then there are times where like, there are things that we learned that like we applied to like a future product launch. Like we know that this was a big thing last time or like that, you know, neighbors got stuck on this or this was a real, you know, question. And so I think we're always using that to help uh, inform a big part of like what we're doing and how do we make things a lot more clear and direct for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so you described your, your, yourself, the brand as being customer obsessed, which I absolutely love. Um, how does the team work backwards from the customer to develop your growth strategies and your go-to-market strategies? Um, I think that there's, um, there's a lot of ways that like, you know, that customer obsession, like we talk, I, if you guys have heard Jamie Simonoff, who's our founder and CEO, like his email is on every box. Like that's how in tune that, you know, he is with, uh, with what he wants to hear as, as far as like feedback, um, from customers. But like, we think a lot about, I think I'll give one example of like where we took, uh, customer feedback around, um, you know, around the installation process, like with our video doorbells, uh, they are mounted like on a mounting bracket. And um, as we were developing future doorbells, like we thought about like that bracket and ensuring like, why don't we make it really turnkey instead of like the customer having to drill new holes, we'll just leverage the same bracket. And so it's, it's a lot more interchangeable. So you could take off the, the old one and then put up the new one. And so like, I think there are like little things like that, that we continue to think about, like, how do we make it, how do we remove and reduce like friction and create like more delightful experiences, like for, you know, for our neighbors. Yeah. I'm dying to know how many emails a day your CEO gets from customers. <laughs> he, 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 it's yeah, I, it's, it's a lot. It's a, a lot of them are, you know, they're all, uh, they range from like, they're super positive about the things that they love that they, you know, they are sharing videos of things that happen at their home. It's a real connection. And they also are very vocal about things that they feel disappointed by. And so I think it's a great, it's a great tool that we have to, you know, get a good pulse on like what's happening and how do we continue to do better and do, do more for the, for, for our neighbors. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, earlier today, we, uh, had a, Ryan Berry had a conversation with Dave Cancel, the CEO of Drift. And he was talking about how they have internally KPIs for how much time, everyone on the team, including himself, are spending talking to customers. And I thought that was really interesting. And I'm, I'm seeing the parallel here of, you know, your CEO is like, here's my email, just reach out to me whenever you want. Um, yeah. And that, that's incredible. Yeah, there's such a, um, there is such a push from the team to make sure we are talking to customers, we're spending time in stores. Like we, when Black Friday was an in-person thing, we would be in stores working, you know, at, you know, the Best Buys and Targets and Costco's of the world to, you know, talk to our neighbors. And so there is this big push on like staying really connected to like what's happening on the ground. I think that's a big part of how, how we work and um, how we really stay customer obsessed. Yeah. And it sounds like too, you have a, you have so many different methods for capturing that feedback. There's just a lot of, just like your customers, your neighbors have the optionality of how to buy from you. It's the optionality of how to provide feedback also. And I think that's a big challenge, right? Because, you know, it, just as an industry of trying to capture customer experience feedback and insights, there's a gap between 
the people who are willing to participate in research or willing to, you know, fill out an NPS survey and all the rest of the customers who don't necessarily give their feedback. And so being there in store or allowing someone to email you or reading their reviews, it just helps to fill that gap of all the people that, you know, wouldn't necessarily take uh, a specific type of survey or participate in a specific type of research. There are things that, no, I think that there are things that like, there's certainly value in, in like validating things through like traditional, like focus groups and getting, you know, that, that sense check. But I think there are things also specific to innovation that I think uh, traditional focus groups wouldn't capture. And I, um, I'm thinking actually of an example, like at Amazon uh, that's been shared of, you know, if you think about like the echo devices, like if you'd asked a customer, six, seven years ago, would you want uh, a thing that's the shape of a Pringles can that talked to you? Like, would you want that in your kitchen? Like most people would be like, no, like, and so I do think that there are ways that like, we have to like, think about ways we are innovating too, that maybe like, it's just so new to the world that like, you know, folks might not be ready for that in that focus group, right. but, but it's, you know, it's something I just thought I always, I've heard that example. It's like, yeah, I would say no. Yeah, totally. It, there, it's that balance, right. Between asking the right questions and then also, you know, uh, understanding the need, right. Understanding the behavior and, and innovating for that and not necessarily what people are asking for. There's that famous Henry Ford quote that we all talk about of if, if we had asked customers what they wanted, they would say faster horses and, you know, that's not going to lead to the car. And it doesn't mean don't do the research. It just means we have to go deeper. We have to find different ways of um, understanding what their needs are and, and meeting them. Absolutely. All right. So um, what sort of decisions are you making as a team? Well, I mean, you talked about the bracket on the, on the, um, uh, the mounting bracket. Um, what other types, yeah. Yeah. What, what other types of decisions are you making with that, you know, that customer understanding? I think there's, you know, I think that there are, you know, things that even outside of just like specific to like the products, I mean, there's things like in terms of like onboarding, like in terms of like the setup that we've also like identified that like gets a little more technical, but around how to help um, neighbors like identify, like, especially as they're like hardwiring a doorbell, like, you know, whether or not like they have like the right mechanical doorbell. I think there are things like that, but there's also things around like the out of box experience that we're thinking about in terms of those expectations, um, that like customers have around like what, what things we're giving them, what tools we're giving them to sort of get their devices set up and like walking them through a really thoughtful experience. And even things like around, um, sustainability where we're, you know, trying to reduce like the amount of plastic in our packaging and make them smaller. And I think that there's things that, that are feedback that are things that are really important to like neighbors that like, we also are, you know, taking as part of like that feedback. Yeah. There was another conversation now that I'm thinking of from yesterday where, uh, it was in one of the breakout rooms for a studio session. We were talking about, um, innovating for and improving the experience and not with the primary objective being driving revenue. And that if you do that, if you, if you innovate to improve the experience, then the revenue will come. Right. If the, if your customers, we believe that, yeah, yeah. we believe that customers will, will reward us with their, 
with their investment in our brand if we continue to drive that better experience. Um, if I'm thinking about just like even some recent products we announced that have some new to world features on them around like better motion detection. And the, these are things that, that just haven't been available like across like, you know, uh, the category of like where we are trying to deliver these like new to world features to customers to improve that experience, to make it more turnkey and make it more intuitive. And I think by doing that, by providing our neighbors like the, those options to have like those innovative features, but also like the breadth of our portfolio of like products across different price points and use cases, I think go to help that uh, help that neighbor make the choice to pick ring. I think that's really important to us. Yeah, totally. Um, so now your brand does a great job kind of showing off the, the product benefits through uh, stories and, and content submitted by customers. You mentioned before, people are emailing the CEO with videos that they've captured. Um, how, are, how are you using those, um, uh, using that content? Um, it's really, it's really unique for a company to be able to see its products in action and, and really hear firsthand about how it's making an impact on, you know, customers' lives. And like, I think as a marketer, it's like amazing to see the work you do and then like see sort of like the, you know, the benefit of like what's happening. And, and, um, you know, going back to like the videos, like we get tons of videos around like, you know, animal crossings and they show up in our own channels, like our social platforms and our blog. And then there's also, um, we get a lot lot of pickup through uh, the news in terms of just amazing stories. I'm reminded of one um, that happened uh, during that winter storm that was in Austin that was shared, you know, through our neighbor's app where there was uh, some Austin residents were, you know, delivering food to like an elderly couple, you know, during the need, they saw like a cry for help for within like the neighbor's app about like a neighbor needing some assistance. And so like, it was like an elderly diabetic couple and like, they like cooked up a, you know, a bunch of food and like brought it over to them. And like, that's just like, those are things that happen that are like these amazing stories about like neighbors helping each other out that really are rooted in our mission of, you know, safer neighborhoods. That's incredible that like being able to see your product in action, like you're right. It's so unique. Um, and that user generated content is so invaluable for the brand. It's, it's so powerful in terms of just the way that like the products are, you know, improving lives and the, you know, the value it's bringing. It's, it's really, um, it's really inspirational to see that, like, that's a big motivator for the teams. I bet I can, I can imagine. Um, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of uh, questions that have come through So I want to try to get to some of them, um, 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 how do you reinforce the customer slash neighbor obsession amongst the, your internal team members? Um, this person saying they've wrestled with it at their organization. It can be hard though. I think it can be hard when we're like moving really fast and you just sometimes like get stuck in this idea of like, like I need to just get this done. I think, um, the teams at Ring are like very collaborative in the way that we work together. We have a lot of ownership with the team. Like we give the teams, like individual team members, like a lot of ownership and trust to like do their best, to, you know, for customers. Um, you know, Jamie likes to say that we have like hundreds of mini CEOs running around making things happen. And so I think like a big part of that is that ownership and accountability, um, you know, like that's instilled with the team to, to remind them of that. I think we, we continue to, you know, even ask questions around like our decisions that we make, like, is this, you know, is this 
going to be, you know, supportive to customers or customers going to be delighted by this. And so that's always like a first question that we ask and what we're doing. Yeah. And, you know, another topic that's come up earlier in the sessions is about, you know, hiring, like, what are you looking for when you're hiring new team members to ensure that they're going to fit into that customer centric culture? Yeah, I think that there are, you know, like, you know, Amazon's known for their leadership principles, which are, um, you know, the principles we use to sort of guide like the ways that we make decisions and interact with each other and think about our business. And, um, you know, as it relates to hiring like that, that's something that like, you've got to take time to do that and hire the right person. I think you want to think about, you know, the key DNA traits that are going to be successful, you know, within your organization of like people that are going to be able to like, um, uh, work through challenges and overcome things and really have like that grit. Um, I think that those are things that are really important to identify. And I always say like, hire the underdog, hire that, that that person's going to have so much to prove and have such drive and grit and determination. Um, but I think those are things you want to test for. I love that. Hire the underdog. (laughs) Hire the person that sent you that cold email. That's what I would say. Like, right. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) And uh, another question that's come from the chat, how do you manage prioritization of customer feedback? Oh, well, that's a good, I mean, that's just like, uh, there is, I think that there are things that are important that you can see. I think um, as marketers, as salespeople, as, as product you know, folks, like we are very, really, really close to our, our products. And so sometimes it is really, it, a lot of times it's valuable to get that customer feedback because they're seeing it from a different lens. Um, I think we certainly look for pattern matching in terms of like feedback that's come up there. There are a lot of times where things are mentioned that it's like, it's that sort of like light bulb moment of like, oh yeah, that completely makes sense. Like we should do that. I think it's where we feel like the biggest benefit to neighbors would be around like that prioritization because we certainly, you know, can't do everything, but where we feel like we're going to benefit, you know, the most. Yeah. I think that the prioritization question is such a hard one for everyone. Like everybody on here, you regardless do everything. of your role. Yeah. yeah. You want to do everything. We can't do everything. I know at Vox Pop Me, we use an, an impact effort scale on pretty much everything. So we look at what, how, how big of an impact is this going to have on customer value and how much effort is required to execute it. And that's, you know, cause there's always going to be a hundred things we can do and only five that we actually can, you know? Um, yes. So it's, it's such a hard thing to grapple with on a daily basis. I asked the team a lot about, do we think it's a thing that's going to move the needle or like, what do we want to learn from it? That's going to inform other decisions around that, uh, you know, like I do what I can to sort of encourage the team to like experiment, to like learn different things um, and see if it drives like a different behavior. And I think it's around, you know, do we feel like this is the thing that's really going to move the needle and to kind of help us with the prioritization, but it's a thing that's uh, it's an ongoing conversation and not a set it and forget it. Totally. Totally. Um, another question that someone's asked is about um, referrals. So from one neighbor to another neighbor? Do you have any, do you do any sort of referral strategies um, to drive revenue that way? Um, We, um, we don't have, um, you know, an established like referral program. It's really interesting, like word of mouth, you know, really early on. And I still even think today has been um, a wonderful way that we've continued to find growth. I think there's a, there's an effect of like someone in a neighborhood that has like a ring doorbell, like that, you know, like, 
then they'll share it with their neighbors about like, hey, this was great for this convenience or, you know, for another use case that then you'll see, you know, other cameras, you know, like folks adding other cameras to their home. And so like, there's been a really great like neighborhood effect of our products that have been a big part of our, um, a big part of our growth, but we don't have anything that's, you know, a a dedicated program, but it's certainly like a a big opportunity. Social has been, I mean, I think from a social perspective, we've seen just a lot of like brand love of people sharing about, you know, um, I think it's that highly demonstrable, like, you know, benefit of our products where they can share like videos of things that have happened and things they've caught at their door that, that have really helped to, um, help with our, with our growth and driving that momentum. Yeah, I totally agree. Just from my own personal experience, like, you know, I, I see ring videos from friends on social media. I see them from neighbors on like you know, next door apps and things like that. Um, like it's, you're, you kind of can't get away from it, right? <laughs> Everybody's seeing it. <laughs> um, all right. Another question that has come through, um, how do you balance your own direct sales through ring.com with, you know, your retail and host, wholesale um, channels? Um, I'm not sure I understand by balance. I think we uh, certainly want to make sure um, like it's part of, I think that like complexity um, as it relates to sort of like many channels and like giving everyone like an opportunity, you know, to be able to have like their own programs and opportunities to like drive things that are unique to their business. And certainly I think ring.com is like um, really similar in that way. I think we are very transparent, like with our partners about just like our plans and like drive, like a lot of consistency. I think there's communication and consistency, I think are the, the big parts of that. And, and certainly like, you know, they, uh, that's really like driven, that's really been a big part of like, you know, continuing to cultivate and drive that engagement. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, we're, we're getting towards the tail end of the session. Um, so I, my, my one last question I was saving in case I had time for it. Um, you mentioned HSN earlier on in your, um, in our conversation. And I, I heard a story about you on HSN and I would love it if you would share it. I, it, growing up, actually, my aspiration was to be like a QVC host. Like I wanted my own show like Saturday morning, Uh, maybe it'd be a cooking show. Um, But I actually a few years ago, had a chance to go on QVC to present ring, which was probably like this, this like amazing experience. I was on at 3am. There were 30 (laughs) people watching 29 of those people were related to me. Uh, But it was like, such a great experience to talk through our products. And then, you know, they do like these live things, like these tea calls where then they ask, you know, um, their viewers to call in and share their stories. And wow, I had a really, I had a really special neighbor call in, uh, for my 3am, but it was all about this like crazy, like animal crossing story. So that was really fun and full circle for me. So I got that out of my system. I don't need to be a host anymore. I'm glad you had that experience. And just for everybody on the line, I don't even think Mimi knew that I knew that story. Somebody else told me that story. So I'm, I'm so glad you were a good sport about telling it. Thank you for that. There's no video of it anywhere. So sorry. Okay. You had to tune in live, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> At 3 a.m. Four, four or five years ago. <laughs> well, I can't thank you enough for joining us today. This has been an amazing conversation. Um, I've loved it. I hope everyone in the chat has 
it, it seems like everybody in the chat has it as well. Um, so thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun and love all the questions that came through, but thanks everybody. <laughs>